Welcome to Grown Kid Book Club, a podcast where a beleaguered husband and wife uh, provide literary criticism of the books that we read to our toddler. Is beleaguered the right word for us? I feel beleaguered. I don't know. It seems like it's like a way worse situation. I'm open to other suggestions. Tired. Tired doesn't seem to encapsulate it, though. It's like (laughs) people go to bed, you know, tired. But they're not, it seems above and beyond. Like, I remember being tired before we had kids, but. I feel like you're exaggerating how far you're drained by child. Okay, that's, I mean, maybe, but it is also, you know, a creative, entertaining medium, so. Okay. I feel like exaggeration is okay. You can decide if you're going to keep all this or not. (laughs) Sure, I mean, we need an opening somehow. Should I start over? No, you don't have to start over. You just... Welcome to Grown Kid Book Club. <laughs> um, so today we're going to be discussing Harold and the Purple Crayon. Uh, we're going to essentially just go through sections of the book. Um, we're going to ask questions of each other and uh, share opinion. Okay, okay. No. Why are you saying no? Because that's going to be boring. Um, we're just going to start talking about how we interpret the book. And we will interrupt each other to disagree with each other well i disagree i don't think that that's how we should do it see is that was that right did i interrupt did i interrupt you to disagree right no you did (laughs) i mean i did look up how book clubs go yeah and they're boring well that article was called how to make your book club not boring but okay (laughs) (laughs) So here's my approach. I believe that Harold and Purple Crayon is um, basically kind of like a portal fantasy. Harold is, by which I, I don't actually know I said that wrong. It's not a portal fantasy in that Harold is coming from our world to his fantasy world. She means it's a fan fiction of the Portal series, Portal 1 and 2. It was released <laughs> no. by Aperture. I mean, I, what I actually mean to say is it's more like a, a pocket world fantasy. It's an old, it's a secondary world fantasy. And it's specifically the second, it's the creation story of this secondary world fantasy world. So, so we're talking a Chronicles of Narnia pocket universe-esque secondary. Not really. Pocket universe is kind of the bad a bad term for it. Potentially it's a pocket universe. But yeah, think Narnia, think Middle Earth, Roshar, all of those beautiful things. Fillery. Okay, yeah. So, like, specifically, I think of in The Magician's Nephew and the Chronicles of Narnia, the overarching series, when Aslan creates the, creates Narnia, and it's, like, this whole moment, and then just, like, in the Silmarillion with Iluvatar, where it's, like, this whole creation moment, in those situations, it's voice and speaking, with Iluvatar, it's singing, with Harold, his creation powers are instead imbued in this purple crayon. Um... And so he is creating his own world that is distinct from ours, as we can see through some other stuff. Yeah, so I, um, that's great, and I totally see your inspiration for that. Uh, I do think you're wrong. I do think that this is our world, and this is just a creation myth that has, uh, or not a creation myth, but this is um, a creation story that has woven its way into our cultural awareness. It's actually appropriate to say creation myth because... The creation stories are, as a genre, a mythology. Mythology and myth does not mean not true in the colloquial sense. It means 
a story about the origins of a world, of a people, of a culture, etc. I feel like myth is disrespectful to our god king Harold, who is slumbering and one, it is will only one day disrespectful if you are using it in the colloquial sense and not the literary genre sense. Okay. Well, anyways, I think that God King Harold came from what I'm choosing to call the chaos of the before. Uh, and this uh, journey that he goes on is actually how he creates our world and how he was present up to a certain point, but is now asleep, quote unquote, and has abandoned his divine mantle. And we as humans are alone adrift throughout this hellscape of existence that he has left us in. <laughs> but where do you see any sort of parallels between Harold's world and our world? Uh, boats, the policeman, uh, cities. Oh, so... Only earthbound humans can create boats and cities. I have never seen another world with boats and cities. Have you never read another book with boats oh, well, and those cities? Were, those were fictional, but this one is uh, about our world. Uh, and our world well, has what if it's like the Red Book that passed along the stories of Middle Earth to us? They have boats and cities there in that world. I mean, that's, that's fair, but again, I am really trying not to cross um, this this very angry uh, deity which uh you said, the deity the you said the deity disappeared why does it matter well he's asleep he, uh, one day he will come again and i don't want and i when he looks back at the time he was asleep i don't want him to be mad at me it's it's a little bit like you know drawing on my door frame with sheep's blood i just want to cover all my bases you know wow that is not what was happening with the drawing on the door frame with sheep's blood at all that is like such a um, heretical <laughs> view of that story. But any case, there is absolutely nothing in the Herald universe to suggest that it's our universe. I, I the idioms I used, the, mytholo the, the mythos, the creatures and the characters involved. Yeah, there's a policeman. How do you know it wasn't translated from another world into English or whatever other languages it's translated to on earth and the word policeman is the word that was chosen by the translator and translations are always going to be in error to some extent well, I to describe that authority figure. Well I mean on the one hand Harold is white so there's no reason to believe that English wasn't the first language and uh, we have come back to it uh, as is oh, our divine right. my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, okay, I get where you're coming from with the idioms and everything, but I want to talk about a few of the instances of the book which really stood out to me that show um, how our God King Harold is, or the the God Harold of this other quote unquote world, uh, what it reveals about his character and what it reveals about the world uh, itself. Um, so tell me about uh, your justification for the different idioms. Um, what did you mean by that? So, for example, there is language in the book. Um, the ones that the, I think of... The text, of, please. We in, refer to oh, sorry. As... There's language in the text. And I'm going to refer specifically to the hungry moose and the deserving porcupine. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, those are not characters that have served... That have come... That are not... Those are not part of our cultural understanding. We think of people like heroes and demigods and Hercules and we'll refer to like the labors of Hercules or stuff like or Herculean effort. Alright? So figures like that, they're they have been of such importance in past cultures and through on into our culture that their names and their epithets 
um, have become part of our language. Achilles' heel is another example. I mean, false, false stories left by the deceiver to turn us away from God King Harold is what that sounds like to me. Hungry moose and deserving porcupine do not exist as cultural icons for our world. But they absolutely would and do in this fantasy, in the secondary world that Harold has created. Okay, I I get where you're coming from. Um, I would just ask, and we can just agree to disagree, but I would ask that you not be disrespectful of God King Harold as we continue. Um, I am not calling him that. (laughs) You don't don't have to. I respect uh, your... I mean, Harold created the path, but he himself left the path and created the shortcut, which means that God King Harold uh, implicitly accepts and sanctions uh, all choices that we choose to make. He created free will when he created the, the long straight path at the beginning, and then he chose to take a shortcut off of the path because... What if your supposed God King was just, you know... Okay, suppose it is disrespectful. A toddler with the attention span of five seconds. Okay, so uh, I think... Uh, there's a there's a very reasonable answer for that. Um, one, um, his ways are not our ways, and two, God King. <laughs> you microphone can't pick up how hard I am rolling my eyes. <laughs> uh, God King Harold, I think, took the form of a child uh, for our, our mortal minds uh, to comprehend, because his true form is so vast and terrible that if we were to behold it. Uh, our minds would melt and our faces. So how do you deal with the fact that, you know, the creation mythos here doesn't actually follow the the timeline of any creation myth in our world or even of any evolutionary record or geological Uh, record? uh, Science is a liar sometimes. Um, And also, (laughs) um, you know... uh, Again, his ways are not our ways. Sometimes things have been hidden for us. And, uh, you know, the, the great deceiver uh, can can move rocks Where are you around. getting this great deceiver? If this is your text, there's no such thing. I mean... There's just... I, I mean... Harold I mean, the Council, of, the Council of Nicaea did um, decide that some things weren't going to be a... Is it Ni- Nicaea? Nicaea? No, it's Nicaea, but what in the world does that have to do with Harold? <laughs> I mean... I don't, I don't, the the Council of Nicaea equivalent, whatever uh, entities, historical figures decided to compile these works. Let's get back to the text, though. Uh, what do you think, uh, what symbolism do you see in Harold uh, becoming scared at his creation, the dragon that he made to guard the apple tree, um, and then creating the ocean out of that? What, what symbolism or what importance do you think that carries? Um, a newer creator god. So you see how like Iluvatar and Aslan like know what's going on. They are clearly far did, beyond this. Did you pronounce it Aslan? Sometimes I say Aslan, sometimes I say Aslan. Okay, it's Aslan. I don't think it is. It's Aslan. Okay, we'll look up the Turkish later. <laughs> Turkish? It's actually the Turkish word for lion. Really? Yes. Is that where they got Turkish delight? No, Turkish delight is an actual candy that was very popular in England at the time. Yeah, but did, did Tolkien, when he was writing... C.S. Lewis? <laughs> uh, did J.K. Rowling, when she was writing The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, did... I'm not sure I can continue this. <laughs> did C.S. Lewis just, like, choose Turkish things and then no. uh, decide to sprinkle that in? Or No, I don't think... I don't know if Turkish delight is actually originated in Turkey. I haven't looked that up. 
Um, it may have just have been one of those things with like an exotic sounding name in order to get people to buy it. It might actually be a Turkish candy. I don't know. I mean, me googling that doesn't make for good audio, but um, let's like you know, let's just let our listeners decide. Um, you know, uh, I think that debates were a lot more fun when the answers were not at our fingertips. But Aslan is the Turkish word for lion. Okay, great. Um, so I, I agree, um, uh, and what the text reveals to us is that uh, God King Harold was not always divine. He came from a uh, chaos filled before which is symbolized by the scribbles at the beginning of the but book. But if he wasn't divine how could he survive the chaos? Because he he acquired divinity before the chaos or during the chaos of the before. And really the chaos doesn't necessarily mean that nothing existed. It just means that it lacked the order that God King Harold That's true, but the, the scribbling implies that there is it's an outside of time thing, so there is no before. It just is the was until there is this universe created from that. Unfortunately, the text doesn't give us all the details because really we aren't meant to know because God King Harold, again, uh, keeps something separate from our mortal minds uh, to protect us. So if you want to go that route, you can. But if you read it as the creation of this Narnia-esque land, I don't. It's our you're world. going to find a lot more substance to it and then not to say that it's completely devoid of allusions to our world and there's definitely some inspiration such as the apple tree being a creation that really ties in well with the apple tree in the garden of the hesperides in greek mythology and the apple tree with the apples of immortality in norse mythology there's no other gardens with apples that have in any other religious texts that i know of garden of eden did not have an apple tree it was absolutely an apple tree. It was not an apple tree. That is a medieval interpretation. Look, Adam and Eve and probably Jesus were coming white, from a mis- and the trees were apples. It's probably and- because the Latin word for apple looks a lot like the Latin word for bad. <laughs> oh, well, good to know. Really? That's yeah. Like, that's so funny. Uh, well, I'm glad that we have the truth of uh, the text before us now to guide us uh, back to the truth of uh, God King Harold's uh, morality and more about his morality. Um, this is like a, uh, what the text reveals to us is that this is sort of a predestination world that has been created. So when, as you were talking before, the the deserving porcupine and the hungry moose, he created them with those states of being. He already created them as being deserving or hungry. And I agree with that. And that is why, actually why I argue that it's not our world at all because that moose is forever hungry. That porcupine is forever deserving. And now, like, whoever is in a state of being of, like, extreme abject need that they will never get out of, they are the hungry moose. And whoever, by virtue of being them, gets whatever they need, who has that privilege, they are the deserving porcupine. And those are not carried through. Those images are not carried through into our cultures. I mean, not directly, but prosperity doctrine capitalism social darwinism that has nothing to do with any of those prosperity doctrine is absolutely anti-predestination because it says not that you will automatically be blessed but that if you give more you will be blessed more so it depends on your actions well i'm what i'm saying is that uh it's just elements of these things that have bled through little bits of the truth that have come through uh uh, into our our current culture um, These idioms are so vital that they would have persevered. 
I think that some things uh, were hidden um, little ways because I don't think God King Harold is that overt. I think he does, like, I mean, he's gone to sleep. I don't think he wants to be known in his entirety. So your argument is that some five to 6,000 years after every other creation story was established, culturally established, this cute little storybook shows up and purports to explain everything about the universe. I do believe that the quote-unquote author uh, of Harold and the Purple Crayon, Crockett Johnson, is um, has the title of the prophet, yes. <laughs> I can't even, like, do this anymore. <laughs> um, anyways, I think at the... Uh, Something really important that we haven't touched on yet, or we've touched on a little bit at the very end, is uh, the policeman. And I think what uh, Crockett Johnson uh, is, and what uh, God King Harold are really trying to tell us through the creation of the policeman is that the authorities, the governments as they exist now, um, were put in place and everything was designed by God King Harold. Uh, for our benefit. He has left the current uh, administration, the current governments, so, the, the current rulers in place to rule in his absence. And so they do have a divine mantle that they're carrying, a divine mm-hmm. role. Uh, and mm-hmm. so we should do whatever they say. What you see in Harold and the Purple Cram is you see a pretty well, anthropologically um, and sociologically, well-developed de- well um creation of culture so you start with the hunter-gatherer wandering Harold's wandering at the beginning there's slowly there's innovation there's agriculture there's sailing and navigation and ocean um, navigation specifically crossing of oceans settling down creation of cities so in anthropology there's this idea that cultures move from specifically political societies move from the bands so like the tribal, like the like the hunter-gatherer bands to tribes where your association identity with the family matters to um, larger and more complex types of political systems leading up to the state. You can see that tracking through everything that Harold's doing. Again, as a culture, as a development of another world, by the time he gets to the policeman, that is not an endorsement of political systems in play. What it is, is this is the development of the state. And this, this civilization has now evolved through to the state level where you have institutions like police officers and you have cities and they are run and they require sewage and um, public safety officials and such. So what you're saying is that our current system is merely an outpouring of the systems that God King Harold put in place for our benefit. No, I'm it's saying it's just. I'm just saying it. it's a picture. It's 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 actually following quite well the purported development of political societies in our, um, and how we have observed it here, and in how it has been observed in other realms. For example, in Alethkar. In Alethkar, you totally have them moving out of the tribal system and into that that strong state system. For for more information on what Alethkar means, I would highly recommend that you read the uh, the series by the popular Way of Kings series by Brandon Sanderson, also known as the Stormlight Archive. The first book is the Way of Kings. The series is called the Stormlight Archive. Okay, well, um, I mean, if you're getting yeah. stop. <laughs> 
Uh, is there anything else about Harold and the Purple Crayon that you really feel like we need to address before we leave this text behind us? I think that's all we've got this week, folks. Month, yep. year, who knows? Who knows how often this will be? We'll even do another one. But thank you so much for listening. <laughs> if we do to do us. another one, the next book is Are You My Mother? in which I discuss the perils of idolatry and the really weird deus ex machina at the end of the book. I, I think uh, a text can be two things. I think that it is an exploration of those values through the lens of a. Uh, a former Soviet officer after the collapse of the USSR who explores different political and uh, economic ideologies. Anyways, thank you so much. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, thanks so much for listening. Have a great evening. Stay safe out there.